Well, friends, we are in week two of a new series at Fusion uh, entitled 168, 168. And if you were here last week, you learned what this number means. Uh, and uh, if you weren't here last week, you might be wondering what this 168 sound stands for. So I want you to go ahead, turn to a neighbor for a second. If you were here, remind each other what that number means. And if you weren't here, take a guess. See if you can get, get it right. Go ahead, talk amongst yourselves. Remind yourself or either take a good guess. Some people have got it. I hear it. All right. So the number 168, the number 168 isn't the number of times I've read the same book series over and over. And if you were at New Student Orientation this week, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, 168 isn't the number of plants in my house, though it might be getting close. It isn't the number of days in the school year. What it is, it's the number of hours in a week. Did anybody get it right? All of the people that were here last week? Yep, okay. Uh, 168 is the number of hours in a week. Now I'm curious, is that bigger or smaller than you originally thought? Like if you would have guessed. Give me a thumbs up for bigger, thumbs down for smaller. Did you, is one, did you think you get more than 168 or less than 168? You get less than 168 a week, that's what I'm seeing. 168 hours each and every week. So last week, my friend Pastor Steve, who was a part of our, our rotation of teachers here at Fusion, uh, he shared on Sunday morning last week um, that uh, in the beginning of creation, some of the very first words of the Bible tell us that God made the heavens and the earth. And God separated the light from the dark, and he called the light day, and he called the dark night. And God created time. And while God may not have created our modern calendar as we know it today, I think we can thank the Romans for that, uh, God did, in fact, create these rhythms of days. He created the sun coming up and setting and these rhythms of six days of working and one day of rest. God created our time. And Pastor Steve also talked about last week how uh, at the end of the Bible in Revelation, Scripture tells us that God has been redeeming and will once and for all redeem all things, all time, all space, making all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. But until then... We're here with 168 hours given to us each and every week. And what are we to do with it? If you're a college student, uh, you have, or if you're a freshman, you're about to have a newfound understanding of time. And each year as freshmen move in uh, to, Dakota, to Dakota Wesleyan, I get flashbacks of my own freshman experience, uh, the good and the bad and a lot of the crying that happened. Um, but I particularly remember moving into my residence hall uh, and going to all of the new student orientation activities. And to be honest, at first it felt a lot like summer camp, and maybe you all are feeling that way this weekend. 
because you have RAs and you have new student orientation leaders and you go around to all these different activities and it just felt like one of those summer camps that I had uh, gone to that were on college campuses. Maybe you've been there too. And I remember that first night after we got moved in and we had all of our new student orientation activities, about 10 o'clock at night that night, on my first night living in the residence halls, uh, some of my upperclassmen friends, they texted me and they said, hey, we're going to make a trip to Target and we're going to get a few things and then we're probably going to pick up ice cream. Do you want to come? And I distinctly remember getting that text and like thinking to myself, like, am I allowed to? Like, am I allowed to just, like, leave at 10 p.m.? Like, do I need to check in with an adult or something? Like, do I need to get permission? Like, because at camp, you could never just leave, right? You could never just go where you wanted to. And at home, a 10 p.m. Target trip on a school night definitely would not have been approved. But no, I was officially an adult. And I could do what I wanted when I wanted And I learned that I had all of this time and this freedom that I had never had before. And it was an exciting, but also a scary thing. And maybe you're having that same experience now. uh, Maybe maybe you're out of college and you remember having that experience. Uh, Or maybe you're just starting off college and, and you're finding this out for yourself. For the first time, you have all of this time and all of this life set before you. Now, what are you going to do with it? And if you're not a college student, you're not off the hook, this still applies to you. I've noticed that we as a society, uh, especially in the Midwest, we tend to operate on like a three-season cycle. I know there are technically four. We really only get two in South Dakota, but I'm being generous and I'm giving us three, okay? So we we operate as Midwesterners on this three-season cycle. We have what I call falter, which would be fall-winter, and that's from Labor Day to New Year's. And then we have wing, these are terrible names, I know it, but we have winter-spring, which uh, would be wing, and that's from New Year's to Memorial Day. Uh, And then we have summer, it's just summer, right? And that's from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And we are just getting out of summer, which for many many of us is a season of travel and packing in all the things you can't do when there's snow and ice on the ground. And you have to take advantage of that while you can. Uh, But we're about to enter into falter, into fall winter, right? And it's at the beginning of each of these seasons that I've noticed that there's a natural place to evaluate our schedules and our time. Because it's when our routines change, right? Because either we're heading back to school, or we have kids heading back to school, or maybe you're not in either of those camps, but your summer of weddings and camping naturally wind down into a new fall routine. So we're headed into a new season. That was a great timing on that. Uh, We're headed into a new season with new time, with new life in front of us. And so I'll ask again, what are you going to do with it? Romans 11 tells us that everything comes from God and that all things exist because of God and ultimately all things are to bring glory to God and all things are a gift of God's grace, including the time we have been given. And we have been given this beautiful gift of time by our creator. So what are we to do with this beautiful gift? 
Well, I believe that if God created time and God has given us time as a gift and God will one day redeem time, then it might not be such a bad idea to consult God about how to use our time. And I've been drawn to these particular words of wisdom that I found uh, in Psalm 37. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Psalm 37. Uh, you can pull it out on your, on your phone if you have a Bible app. I think it's also going to be on the screens this morning. But read along with us. Psalm 37 starts this way. It says, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong, for like grass they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Catch that. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. So on a day like today, where our Mitchell uh, schools just went back to school last week, and Dakota Wesleyan is getting ready to start tomorrow, and so is Mitchell Tech. All of us are collectively moving into a season where the wisdom of the Psalms is most fitting in verse 5, where it says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Now, you might be saying, that's a lot. Everything? Like, what exactly does that entail? Commit my work? Commit my homework? Commit my mealtimes? Commit my athletic things or my extracurriculars? Commit my scrolling on TikTok? It says commit everything you do to the Lord. So what does that mean? Every single one of our 168 a week? Is the message that we should all become monks and spend our time praying and reading the Bible and going to church and doing nothing else? Is that the message? Now, you might be thinking that's not realistic, or I already paid tuition, so that option to become a monk isn't going to happen for a few years, right? But look, friends, I'm a pastor, and I'm not even interested in that, okay? So if that's not what it means, what does it mean to commit everything you do to the Lord? Well, the phrase everything that you do in this passage of Scripture can also be translated from the original Hebrew to mean your journey, Commit your journey to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. One other way that it can be translated uh, is to commit your path or your direction to the Lord. So friends, the invitation that I believe is before us today is to commit our journey, our path, our direction to the Lord. So whether you are a freshman whether this is your first time that you have ever had freedom, or maybe you're a returning student, or you're a faculty or staff member, and you're just getting back into another year. Or maybe you're not in any of those categories, but fall is a time where you're recalibrating your life. This invitation is before you. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Commit your journey to the Lord. Commit your 168 to the Lord. Not that every single second is spent with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, but that every single second is an act of worship, that your studying is an act of worship, that your eating dinner with your family members or your friends is an act of worship, 
that the way that you perform or act is, uh, uh, that you perform or practice is an act of worship. That you've committed your journey, your coming and your going and your highs and your lows and all things to God. The invitation is to commit all things, to commit your journey to God. But that's not the full invitation. The full invitation is this, commit your journey to God, trust him and he will help you. That's the full invitation. Commit your journey to God, trust him and he will help you. While God deserves our full commitment just for the fact that he created time and he created us, God gives us this invitation to commit our journeys to him because he doesn't want us to go it alone. God wants us to commit all things to him so that in all things, he can be with us and help us with it. And so if you jump down in Psalm 37 to verse 23, it goes on to say this. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. He delights in all things on their journey. And though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. The invitation is to commit our journeys, to commit all things to the Lord, not just because God asks us to, it's because God deeply cares about our lives and wants to walk alongside us in our lives, delighting in every detail, holding, up, uh, holding us up and taking care of us when we stumble and caring for us when the troubles of the world get tough. So if you look at Psalm 137, if you've been following along this morning, or if you go to read it later this week, uh, you'll see I skipped over a whole lot of talk about wickedness in Psalm 137. And I'll be honest, I was tempted to skip over it entirely because it uh, kind of felt like a Debbie Downer thing to talk about this morning. But the longer that I read over these verses in Psalm 137, I came to this realization the psalmist is using the word wickedness to admit that even in a world where we are committed to the Lord and the Lord cares so deeply about us, there is brokenness, there is hurt, and there is pain, right? We've all lived this. There are things that are not fun in our lives. And I am afraid to tell you that in your journeys, even as new freshmen, in your college careers, in your day-to-day, -day, in your week-to-week, -week, there will be times that will feel incredibly hard. There will be times where you might even describe it like the psalmist as wickedness. But the psalmist also repeatedly downplays the wickedness in this passage. Literally in the first verse of Psalm 137 that we read this morning, it says, don't worry about the wicked, for like grass, it will fade away. But instead, trust in the Lord. And so even though there will be hurt and pain and brokenness, and dare I even say wickedness on your journeys, when you commit your journeys to the Lord, you don't have to fear. Those things will sort themselves out. God will take care of you. There's another verse in scripture that we, can, uh, that we find that sounds a lot like our invitation in Psalm 37. And this one is in Proverbs 16.3. And it says this, it says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Another way that is phrased is uh, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be made firm. Have you ever walked on something that wasn't solid? 
I doubt you're hopping on one foot like those kids up here this morning. But maybe you've walked on a muddy dirt path where you hit that extra mud spot and you sank a little bit and your shoe got stuck. Maybe you've walked across the parking lot or across campus after it's rained and snowed and everything is slippery and you slide a little bit as you walk. How do you walk when you know your foundation isn't firm? You walk really carefully, right? You walk tentatively because you're afraid you're going to fall. But how do you walk when you know you're on solid ground? You walk confidently, right? Without fear. You don't think about it. You can go about your day to day because you know the ground under you is going to be there. And when you commit your life to God, when you commit your works to the Lord, your plans are established. That's what Proverbs 16.3 says. Not because you'll be on the perfect journey. Not because you'll get everything you want and succeed always. But because you'll have a firm foundation to walk on so that you don't have to fear. You have a God that is holding you by the hand so that when you stumble, like it says in Psalm 37, you will never fall. So to commit your life is to embrace an invitation to a God who cares for you, who walks beside you, and never leaves you in the ups and the downs of life, who is with you every hour in your 168. This sounds pretty good, right? But to commit means to trust. Psalm 37 says, commit everything you do to the Lord and trust him. And trust is hard. I don't like to trust people because I don't know if I can. Or to trust means I have to give up my sense of control. I have to rely on someone or something other than myself, and that is a vulnerable place to be. Now, I feel like I've nerded out on words a lot this morning, but I'm going to keep going because there are just so many cool things about the passages that we read this morning. Uh, and and th that is the beauty of Scripture, right? All these cool, interesting words and meanings that come together. So one other really interesting thing about Psalm 137 that I would love to share with you today is that it says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. And Proverbs 16 says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. And that word commit has a connotation throughout scripture that means something different than what I think it means for us today. The word commit has a connotation of either putting something in place or taking something away. It can be either or. So often this scripture is used to talk about a rock or a barrier. And, and so uh, in a lot of the passages of scripture where they use the word commit, it would talk about uh, committing the rock to go in front of something. Or they would commit the rock to be rolled away, right? Like we know the stone was rolled away from the tomb. And it's that same word, roll it away. So the fact is that this is the same word that's used to talk about our lives with God. And that's really interesting because how often do we commit to something and it has the sense of permanence like a rock, right? When you commit to signing to play a sport for Dakota Wesleyan, you sign on a dotted line and it feels like a pretty big deal. When you commit to a new job and it's big and significant and you signed your contract, when you commit to marry, right? It's a big thing that carries weight and how we live our lives. When we commit to God, it's a big thing that carries a lot of weight. But big rocks 
our firm foundations. So on the times, uh, there are times when you commit, it might mean rolling a walk away, right? And sometimes it means bringing something in. Sometimes you need to move something out so that you have room. And sometimes you need to put up something to commit. And I think that is our call today. So my two questions for you this morning is, what does it look like to commit your 168 to God? Is it taking some sort of barrier away that you've put up? Some sort of guard that you've put up because you can't trust? Or is it putting something in place that is solid like a rock that you can stand on when things get shaky? It might be one or the other for you all this morning, friends. But God has placed an invitation before us. Commit. Commit something in your life. Commit your 168 to God. Commit everything that you do to the Lord and trust him. Commit your work, commit your journey, commit your 168. And God will help you. God will be your firm foundation. God will hold you by the hand when life gets hard, when you stumble and when you fall, and when you're not sure what path to take. Commit and God will be there with you. Commit your 168 to God, and I guarantee you won't regret trusting in him. So this whole series that we're in, we're going to be exploring for two more weeks after this, is exploring our 168. And in this series, we've been giving out these little wristbands, these white wristbands. Uh, You may have seen some people wearing them around. Uh, And it's a little less hefty than a rock, right? It's just a rubber wristband. But they say 168 on them. And as you leave today, at the end of the service, uh, there's going to be somebody uh, holding a bowl of them that you can take one as you go. Uh, And I encourage you to wear it. I've seen some people wearing it around already this morning, and I love to see it. But take a wristband as your symbol of committing, your symbol of committing your 168, your school year, whatever it is to come to God. Accept God's invitation to commit everything to the Lord. And as you wear it, be reminded that God delights in your day-to-day, in your hour-to-hour, in the details of your lives, because God cares about your 168. We as a fusion community also have uh, the opportunity to help uh, mark this moment for Dakota Wesleyan as they enter into a school year. And so as we end today, uh, I'm going to take a moment to lead us all in a prayer. Uh, and this is a prayer together as we, as we bless the students, the faculty, and the staff. But I encourage you all to accept that invitation to commit all things, everything you do, your journey to the Lord this year. And this is just one more way that we can do that together. So I invite you into a time of prayer together this morning. Gracious and loving God, we take a moment to you today to commit ourselves to you. To commit our coming and our going, our working and our leisure time, to commit all things to you. 
God, today we particularly uh, want to lift up and bless the students, staff, and faculty of Dakota Wesleyan as they begin their school year together. God, it has been a joy and an honor to get to be on campus and to feel the energy in the air and to meet a bunch of new faces and welcome them into our midst. And so God, today we pray particularly that all would feel this sense of community here, this sense of community at Fusion, this sense of community at Dakota Wesleyan. And God, we pray for students in their coming and their going, in their activities, in their homework, in their classes, that you would open their minds, that you would show them and grow them in new ways. God, we pray for the faculty and staff that you would equip them with everything that they need so that they might be able to serve you and serve all at Dakota Wesleyan well. God, for all of us, we pray that you would help us to remember that you delight in the details of our lives. You delight in our coming and our going. You delight in the good things and the bad. And so God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you walk with us. God, help us to commit this moment, this week, this semester, this school year to you. So God, we lift all of this up and more in your holy name. Amen.